This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where Democrats in the Florida House are urging school boards to ignore the governor's ban on school mask mandates and stand up for student safety. Governor DeSantis's executive order, very simply, is putting our children's lives at risk. Families are contacting my office daily, concerned for their children's health and safety as they start school this week. But Ron DeSantis says parents need to make that decision, not school boards or superintendents. That's what it's about. It's about parental choice, uh, not government mandate. And I think ultimately parents will be able to exercise the choices that they deem appropriate uh, for their kids. But are there limits when your choice affects other children? But when you make a choice that jeopardizes the health and wellness of other children, there needs to be a real conversation about that. Meanwhile, more school districts say they will ignore the governor's order against mask mandates. The latest is Broward County. You know, the governor may have been a bully on the playground growing up. He may be able to bully uh, the legislature, but these superintendents and these school board members are not going to be bullied. They're going to do what's right. The governor and the CDC are disputing some new case numbers. The end result could be the resumption of daily COVID reports by the state health department. Stand by for that one. And the governor starts handing out bonus checks to law enforcement. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who ended up lost on a golf cart. He was searching for chilies but ended up in jail. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, August 11th. This is National Son and Daughter Day, National Mountain Day, and in Australia, it's Royal National Agricultural Show Day. On this date in 1893, American composer J. Rosamond Johnson was born in Jacksonville. His composition, Lift Every Voice and Sing, is the Black National Anthem. In 1976, The Who drummer Keith Moon collapsed and was hospitalized in Miami. In 1984, during a mic check that should never have aired, President Ronald Reagan joked that he had signed legislation that would outlaw Russia forever, we begin bombing in five minutes. The Soviets were not amused. And one year ago today, Joe Biden announced California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate, the first woman of color selected by a major party. House Democrats are stepping up their attacks on Governor Ron DeSantis over mask mandates. Representative Fentrice Driscoll of Tampa says the governor is exceeding his authority and abusing his power by prohibiting local school boards from requiring students to use a mask when they go back to the classroom. Governor DeSantis's executive order, very simply, is putting our children's lives at risk. Families are contacting my office daily, concerned for their children's health and safety as they start school this week. The Delta variant is spreading fast and widely, directly, directly impacting our children the most. Right now, 20% of COVID cases nationwide are pediatric cases, and Florida leads the nation in kids hospitalized with COVID-19. That is not the sort of metric where I want to see Florida leading by any standard. According to the CDC, Rates of COVID-19 associated hospitalizations in children under five tripled in the first half of July. Just a few days ago, a 16-year-old in Jacksonville, Florida, tragically died due to COVID complications. Just this morning, I received a text from my 16-year-old niece who's starting her first day of senior high school that she was the only student in her class wearing a mask or one of only two students wearing a mask and that her teacher was not and that she, she felt afraid. No student should have to feel afraid as they're going back to school. 
Representative Michael Greco of Miami says the governor's order flies in the face of reality and puts all kids at risk. You know, it is time for everybody to just kind of grow up, which is, again, ironic when we're talking about adults protecting children. Um, I, I, I can't believe some of the rhetoric that I'm seeing, not just coming from the public, but but coming from the elected officials and and the administration and the bureaucrats throughout the state of Florida. It's pretty gross. And we're talking about things that are that are not a joke. We are talking about we're talking about the lives, not just short term illness. We have children filling up ICUs right now, but we're talking about long term. We don't know what the long term impacts of COVID could be on a child who even gets infected asymptomatically. We don't know what it'll affect, whether it'll affect them next year, next month or 10 years from now. We don't know these things. We do know that masks work. We do know that other efforts work. And by shutting them down, it's not doing anybody any favors except for people that think that they can fundraise or to get, you know, get clicks because of it. So I am calling for, as I'm sure my colleagues are, I am calling for every member of every school board, for every superintendent statewide to stand firm and do what is right to protect our children. But the governor says he's doing it for the parents, specifically the parents who don't want their kids to wear a mask. So ultimately, my view is it's a parent's decision. If you believe in uh, the masking during the school, you're free to do it. No one's saying you can't do it. Uh, but if you're somebody that is concerned about that, that thinks that that may not be the right thing for your child, then I think you should have the right uh, to make that ultimate decision. And I don't think government should override that. So for me, it's about the parents and it's about trying to vindicate parents' ability to make these decisions. But I think even, I think yesterday, Anthony Fauci said, we don't know whether it's harmful. We hope not. That, that's where they're at. So they don't really know. So this is a big experiment to have tens of millions of kids, particularly the young kids, that are going to be wearing this all day. The, the airflow, some of the other things with learning, particularly for younger grades when you're learning phonics and some of that other stuff. So there's a whole host of issues. And my view is, is clearly the data, if you look at the data, uh, it's totally reasonable for a parent to say, you know what, I'd rather send my kid to school um, you, you know, without, without wearing the mask. So that's what it's about. It's about parental choice, uh, not government mandate. And I think ultimately parents will be able to exercise the choices that they deem appropriate uh, for their kids. But Representative Robin Bartleman of Weston wonders, what happens when one parent's choice puts another student at risk? Honestly, for children under 12, their only line of defense is a mask. And unfortunately, they have to rely on others for that protection. If you're over 12 and, and or you're an adult, you can make the decision whether or not to get the vaccine. But for a child, they don't have that choice. And what people don't understand is that this is about the collective. Me wearing a mask doesn't protect me. It protects others. So we need everyone to step up to the plate and do what's right for everyone. This is about society as a whole, not about your inconvenience because you don't like wearing a mask. And we do know that the Delta variant is more dangerous. So it is something that needs to be looked at. I mean, our numbers are as high as they were last year with this new variant. So it's naive of us to say it, it doesn't matter. It does matter. And Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says the parental choice only goes so far. She's urging school boards to oppose the governor. You know, I, I'm a supporter of, you know, parents having the right of choice when it comes to where those kids go to, you know, the kind of clothes that they put them in when they go to school, what they pack their lunches for. But when you make a choice 
that jeopardizes the health and wellness of other children, my niece, my nephew, um, there needs to be a real conversation about that. It's the same thing. I've got the right, the freedom of speech, but I can't go into a crowded room and scream fire because it's jeopardizing the lives of others around me. And so I, I believe in, in choice for parents, um, not at the, at the sacrifice of the health and wellness of the other children that are in the classroom. Throughout the course of the day, I hear from so many parents, so many teachers that are scared, that are worried about what's gonna happen when you put your kids back in, into the classroom. And every local school board member is charged with the responsibility and duty to protect the safety and wellness of the kids that are in the school system. And so a lot of school boards and superintendents are stepping up to the plate regardless of ramifications, both politically and financially, because look, they're not, they're not in these positions to get rich. They are because they love what they do. They love teaching. They love public education. They love our children. And so I am asking our school boards across the state that if you believe that this is in the best interest of the children in your communities, do what is right. Do what you are sworn to do, and that is protect, to protect them, regardless of the political ramifications. You know, the governor may have been a bully on the playground growing up. He may be able to bully uh, the legislature, but these superintendents and these school board members are not going to be bullied. They're going to do what's right. And the governor using almost authoritarian dictatorship style of threatening our school board members and our superintendents not only is borderline, if not unconstitutional, only a legislature has the power to actually dictate where money goes to. And so I have talked to a lot of school board members, a lot of superintendents, and they are angered, but more empowered now, today, than they were 24 hours ago. There's been a lot of talk about how this year is different because of the Delta variant that spreads faster and infects kids far more often than the original strains of COVID-19. But Governor DeSantis claims it's no worse than last year, and he cites the percentage of kids who are now in the hospital. Now there's an attempt to say that the Delta variant has changed a lot with respect to kids. Here's what I can tell you. Uh, if you look throughout the entire pandemic, uh, between 1.1 and 1.4 percent, of COVID positive patients in Florida hospitals have been pediatrics. And right now it's 1.3%. So you've not seen a change in the proportion of the, uh, the young people uh, who end up being admitted. It's also important to know, note when they talk about COVID positive patients in the hospital, that means anyone that's tested positive and some, most are being treated for COVID, of course, but if you go in for a procedure, they're gonna test you. They test everyone that walks in. And so if you test positive, you're considered a COVID positive patient, even though you may not treat, be treated for patients. The average throughout hospitals in Florida for, for that generally, about 25% of the patients uh, are COVID positive, but are not being treated for COVID. With pediatrics, it's between 25 and even 40%. COVID. So we haven't seen any major change in terms of the percentage of, of hospitalized COVID positive uh, folks in, in, uh, in, in hospitals that are pediatrics. It's 1.3% of all COVID positive patients are pediatrics, and that has been pretty consistent throughout the entire pandemic. 
There was a bit of confusion Monday when the CDC reported a big jump in COVID cases, 28,000 of them. The state immediately produced lower numbers and said there was a counting error. Believe who you want about which numbers are accurate, but Nikki Freed, the state agriculture commissioner, says this wouldn't be a problem if the state returned to daily reporting of COVID casualties. But this confusion would not have happened if the governor and the Florida Department of Health had been publicly releasing daily COVID updates as they have been until the first week of June of this year, which we have been and will continue to call on every single day. The state's daily COVID updates should be resumed immediately to include reporting deaths by county as was previously provided. Knowledge is power. Without accurate, reliable, and timely information, our communities are operating blindly in this pandemic. Without accurate, reliable, and timely information, our families can't make the best decisions to keep their children safe as they head back to school. I am very worried about the harm caused by the latest confusion and the lack of transparency and leadership we have seen in Florida throughout this surge in recent months. So while we await more clarity on the numbers, I want to remind the people of Florida that this virus is real. The troubling upward trend of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths is real. The fear of students and parents and teachers as the school year kicks off not knowing if their local officials will have the ability to protect them from COVID is real. The long lines at testing sites are real. The testimonies of hospital staff overwhelmed at their facilities are pushed to capacity are real. The lives of those lying in hospital beds and in the ICUs across the state as we speak are real. Uh, the Health and Human Services just now released that we have 15,169 COVID hospitalization, which is up from yesterday's 13,977. 89.77% of ICU beds in the state of Florida are in use right now and 47.17% are from COVID. That's 3,050 Floridians in ICU beds from Florida, in Florida for COVID. This is real and we need to take this seriously. We know how to beat this. We know how to get in front of this. And what the people of our state need to know is that we still have an upward trend of numbers which means regardless of the reporting questions, we need to take this seriously. And I am begging the Department of Health and the governor to be going back to daily reporting. We know that elected officials all across the state of Florida are asking for numbers, are asking so they can protect their own families, protect their own communities. It is unacceptable. The Department of Health is saying now that these numbers are confidential and, re and rejecting public records requests for both elected officials and the media. This is information the Department of Health released last year on a consistent basis until June. We know you have the numbers. We know it's been done before. Please give the people of our state the information. Again, knowledge is power.
The governor was asked about whether he'll reinstate the daily COVID casualty reports. He said, maybe. Well, I'll talk to the health department about it. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, they do a very thorough report that they put out on Fridays. It's got a lot of information about every indicator that, that you can have. You know, we did have the CDC. Um, they, they misreported some cases that, we had, that they had submitted over the weekend. Basically, they did a three-day report. CDC put that over two days and made it look like we had higher on those days than we did. And so we're trying to figure out if that's been corrected, and if not, whether it would just make more sense to maybe at least put out uh, something. So, um, so stay tuned on that. We'll see what happens. One final note here. The reason DeSantis had to answer questions about COVID Tuesday was that he held press conferences in Miami, Jacksonville, and Pensacola to hand out $1,000 bonus checks to law enforcement officers, starting with the first responders at the condo collapse in Surfside. This is a, a small token. I mean, obviously, there's so much more we, that anyone wishes uh, they could do, but we, do, we did think it was important to say we thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, not only for what you've done uh, throughout your careers, uh, but particularly when tragedy struck here, uh, just refusing to, to take no for an answer and do it everything you can. The blood, toil, tears, and sweat that were that were left on that uh, was real, and um, and it was honestly as as bad as the situation was. When you see people rise to the occasion, with like you guys did, you know you know that there are people out there uh, that, that that are watching, watching out for us, and that and that will be there to support us. So so God bless you for what you've done. DeSantis presented a check to each officer in the room, but never bothered to tell them the money for those bonuses were Biden bucks that were given to Florida by the American Rescue Act. Time now for your calendar. The Florida Commission on Offender Review meets at 9 o'clock. The Self-Insurance Estimating Conference will discuss risk management issues at 9. The Public Service Commission will hold a meeting at 9.30 about what's known as 10-year site plans for utilities. The State Reemployment Assistance Appeals Commission meets at 9.30. The South Florida Water Management District holds a workshop at 1. The Florida Board of Optometry meets online at 1. The Revenue Estimating Conference will discuss revenues from slot machines and Indian gaming at 1.30. And trustees of St. John's River State College meet at 2 in Palatka. Finally today, a visitor from North Carolina has become an honorary Florida man after being busted for drunk driving while getting lost in a golf cart in the villages. 47-year-old James Stevens was stopped by deputies because his headlights were not on and he admitted having a few beers. A deputy asked him to participate in field sobriety exercises, but he became hostile, said if he was going to jail they should just put him in handcuffs. Then he began to punch his golf cart. A check revealed a previous drunk driving conviction in 2014 in North Carolina. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.